0: Annie and thanks for tuning in to the grown-up hustle this podcast is based on real people sharing all the different journeys as they navigate this crazy ride called adulting from coffee o'clock to wine o'clock and all that happens in between we're here to openly discuss how we're all just really hustling our way through life so if you're ready for the highs the lows and a whole lot of real talk then stay tuned because we've got you covered Hey guys, how are you going? Good to be back after a two-week gap between episodes. It felt so long, it felt so weird not actually putting a show out last week, I must admit. But um, anyway, how are we all? I hope we're all doing good. For all of my UK listeners with kids, you are now halfway through the summer holidays, so I hope you're having a great time having the kids off school but I also bet you're glad that there's light at the end of the tunnel and they go back in, I think it's like three weeks or something. Um, What has been happening for me? A little bit of an update on my life over the past two weeks. I'd like to say it's been really rock and roll, but as you know, I've been really, really busy with production work. Um, But I did take some time off to uh, go up to a festival in Windsor. I um, went with a couple of girlfriends of mine, it was called the Classics, it was absolutely banging and it felt so good to be back. In amongst a huge crowd of people. Like I didn't realise how much I missed that human contact. But um yeah, absolute blast. Danced my socks off, had the best day ever. So that was fucking great. Anywho, moving on. On this week's show, we're gonna be discussing codependency. I am joined by Jo Westwood. She's a fellow podcaster and a codependency coach, and she is on the show today talking us through what codependency actually means. I think so many of us, myself included, don't really have an actual proper and correct understanding of what the term codependency means or what it means to be codependent and it was really great, I've got Joe on today, to sort of break down what the traits of a codependent are talk through the various codependent behaviours and people pleasing behaviours of a codependent and we also discuss um, sort of childhood trauma that's linked to these codependent behaviours and using that codependency almost as an addiction to escape yourself. So on that note, let's get the queen of codependency on to chat with us. Let's get Joe on the show today. <laughs> Hey Jo, welcome to the show. How are you going today?
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really looking forward to our combo.
0: So a little bit of a background on Jo. Jo is a codependency coach and she is literally my favourite codependency coach. So that's why I was really keen to get you on the show so I could pick your brains. And Joe runs a community called Wildly Worthy, um, which helps people recover from codependency. So do you want to break down what codependency actually is for the listeners to get us started, Joe?
1: Yes, I would love to. So what people think codependency is, I think in when the term is just kind of thrown around and it's used in sort of a mainstream way, or maybe people are using it to like make fun of their mates, like, oh, my God, you're so codependent. I think what we think it is, is kind of being a needy girlfriend, basically. Someone who's just like needs too much attention, can't survive without like constant texting and affection and validation and affirmation. And that is partly true. But codependency is actually much deeper, much broader, much more nuanced and actually much more insidious than that. So codependency, as I describe it, is an addiction to um dysfunctional relationships and to validation from outside of ourselves and what an addiction is something that we use to avoid ourselves so we understand addictions very clearly i think when it comes to substance addictions so if you compare it to say an alcohol addiction you don't drink because you love booze that much You're drinking and you're addicted to drinking because it's a way to avoid yourself. Being drunk is a way to not have to think, not have to connect with your emotions, not have to deal with what you've got going on. It's a way to escape yourself. Mm -hmm. So codependent people use their addiction, their codependency. It's a coping mechanism that we've developed to help us escape ourselves. And so codependent people use external validation and relationships to escape themselves. So, do you think what What do you think
0: causes codependency? Do you think this is a learned behavior from prior relationships, or it stems from childhood trauma or behaviors?
1: Yeah. So, I think for the vast, vast majority of people, probably like ninety eight percent of people who would identify as codependent, it comes from um, your childhood. So, yes, childhood trauma, and I would break trauma down into two parts. So, there's big T trauma. Big T trauma is anything which directly threatens your life. So um, content warning around this, but like, you know, uh, sexual violence, physical violence, um, living in a war zone, um, you know, like a life threatening illness, car accident, plane accident, anything like that's big T trauma, anything where your life, you feel like your life is in danger. Mm -hmm little t trauma is all the other fucking everyday stuff that all the rest of us deal with all the time and that is very very normalized so and I'm gonna explain a little bit on the end of this so just like don't feel bad or guilty if you're going through this right now and you have kids or whatever but like little t trauma can be um things like your parents getting divorced or separated an emotionally or physically absent parent so you might be you might have had like really great parents but you might have just had one that worked away all the time and you didn't understand why they weren't there and why they weren't a consistent presence in your life high conflict homes so where there's a lot of shouting and anger again might not have been like specifically directly abusive but if that was never explained to you or you never understood why you had a parent that was just angry all the time like that's very scary for a child, that can be very traumatizing. Things like uh, financial instability. Um, And then of course, like having a parent who has an addiction themselves or has mental health issues, um, or perhaps even even physical health issues that you had to help around the house with and become parentified at a young age. And yeah, and then as I mentioned earlier, just kind of like emotionally unavailable parents. And of course, if you have a parent who is codependent or a parent who is narcissistic and most commonly one of each (laughs) because they fit together like hand in glove then you are probably going to come out either codependent or narcissistic so what I would say around some of that stuff is because then sometimes sometimes I say that and people are like oh so everyone then I'm like kind of yeah but surely we've all got
0: codependent Try, sorry to interrupt you there, but so, surely we've all got codependent traits in us naturally.
1: So what I would say around this is like, yes, potentially everybody, but the difference is, you know, say your parents got divorced. We all know that it's much better to be brought up in a home where your parents are separated, but happier than together and fighting all the time. Like, there's no point having two, like, parents that are together and miserable and hate each other, or they're having affairs, or they're drinking to escape the fact that they're in this unhappy marriage. Much better to have divorced parents. But the difference is, did your parents explain to you what was happening? Did they emotionally support you? Did they treat you like surprise surprise you fucking saw and heard everything and you knew exactly what was going on well you thought you knew what was going on but you don't have the context for it when you're a child and so people say oh you know children are very resilient yes children are resilient but only if you give them the tools to be resilient they don't you don't come out of the womb resilient you come out of the womb like vulnerable and like you know just open and then everybody else lays all their crap on top of you you have to give your children And the people around you, the the tools, you know, that you're the people around you that you are custodians of or caretakers of the tools to become resilient. And you do that by saying mom and dad on. We're not happy together, but we still love each other and we still love you. And so we're just going to live in separate houses or however you explain it. And then as a child, you don't internalize that as your fault. So then you don't have to turn on people pleasing behaviors, for example, to try and get your parents to love you more because you think the reason that they split up is somehow your fault, and so you need to perform better. And a lot of the kind of root wound of the codependent person is that we feel valued for what we can do and not who we are. So we become human doings and not human beings. So ideally, as children, we should just be able to be who we are, be supported in who we are, be loved for exactly who we are, and not have to perform to be valued. And so I took that example of like your parents getting divorced, just because that is super, super common for us. And people might be like, well, that's ridiculous. You're saying that you know, everyone who had a divorce, like, you know, divorced parents is going to come out with some form of dysfunction. Well, yeah, probably are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it depends on, you know, if it was, if it was messy, if it was angry, if you saw all of that, if nobody explained to you what was going on or why it was happening or what was ro- what was right and what was wrong in the situation, you know, in an unbiased way, not like, I hate your dad because he's divorced me, but like, you know, it's not nice when, when he shouts at me like that, that's not okay behavior and we don't accept it. Like, if you don't have those things taught to you, demonstrated to you, explained to you, you're going to internalize it as a child with no context And it's going to come out in some form of dysfunction. And so I would say that, obviously, as again, as a child, it is natural to be codependent. You have to be codependent as a child, because when you're a baby, you need people to love you and take care of you. And so that's where the coping mechanism comes in. Because you need your caretakers to remember that you are there, remember to bring you in from the rain and put a roof over your head and keep you sheltered and warm and dry, and remember to feed you. That is like your animal brain kicking in. And if you feel like for whatever reason they can't do that, whether it's because they're emotionally unavailable, whether it's because you think they don't love you, whether it's because they're very angry people themselves, whether it's because they have an addiction, and so half the time they are checked out, you will find ways to provoke them to remember you and love you. Hello, people-pleasing behaviours. Like, that's the root of it. Obviously, we
0: see a lot of stuff on social media, like you said at the start, and it's, you know, people are getting the wrong idea about what codependency actually is. So what are the main traits of codependent
1: behaviour? Okay, so obviously, yeah, obviously people pleasing behavior. And again, that's something that gets thrown around, gets joked about. It's like, oh my God, I'm such a people pleaser. I'm like, yeah, babe, that's not a good thing. Uh, (laughs) um, So people pleasing behavior, um, giving to the point of exhaustion and resentment, um, not being able to identify your own feelings is very common. Always having to have an outside guide to figure out, what your own feelings are if you can figure out what your own feelings are not being able to express your wants and needs and if you do feeling guilty about that not being able to put boundaries in place not being able to maintain boundaries again feeling very guilty feeling like you should just absorb all the difficulty of a situation instead of allowing other people to have their feelings needing other people around you to be okay so that you can be okay that's taking away people's autonomy and then controlling and manipulating with kindness. So rather than asking for what you want to need in a situation, giving, 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 doing, doing, doing for another person or maybe at your job in the hope that they will recognize that, realize that and then just offer you and give you what you want because you're too scared to actually ask for it. And then in romantic relationships that can uh, appear as you Um, infantilizing your partner so very common one particularly in uh, cishet relationships where like women will tend to infantilize their male partner and take over the whole running of their life like you basically become a mother figure you book all their appointments you make all the dinners you do all the cleaning but that brings us back around to that first point of Overgiving to the point of exhaustion and resentment, never saying like, oh, if you need a doctor's appointment, you're gonna to have to book it yourself. Or like, yeah, shock horror, you're an adult. Or like, you know, it's your turn to make dinner tonight. Or you need to pick the kids up, I'm exhausted, or you know, whatever it is, basically just not being able to ask for your needs to be met.
0: But a lot of well, I'm saying a lot of women, a lot of people in relationships, but it does for from my point of view seem to be predominantly women who struggle with this codependency. Yes. Um I think that they women as a general whole to me seem to struggle more to set their boundaries than men do. I'm not yes. I'm not too sure why that is the case. But it seems to be very much the case. And actually, I think a lot of women aren't aware that they struggle with boundary setting. And it's, it's something that I point out, actually, quite on quite a frequent basis to one of my friends. And I say to her, every single issue that she, you know, every single hurdle that she sort of faces in life, I'm like, because you're not setting firm, clear boundaries. But it's a very hard thing to teach someone to do. If if you can't naturally do it, how do you then, you know, and that's obviously where the likes of of you or other coaches step in to assist with that, because it is, if you can't set boundaries, how are you actually going to function?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you're you're completely right. This does affect women more than men. And that's because the society society that we live in tells women that The traits of codependency are good and valued by society, as in the same way that a toxic masculine culture, patriarchal, misogynistic culture teaches men that the traits of narcissism are good and valued in men. And so, if you come out of your family dynamic as you start to be a teenager and an adult going out into the world, and there is, you've kind of picked up some of that dysfunction, those people pleasing behaviors that codependency as a a girl as a woman a young woman you're going to go out into the world and society will say yes that's correct people please give of yourself don't have boundaries be selfless um you know work yourself into the ground be exhausted never climb the ladder because you're too busy helping other people and for guys they'll come out into the world and they'll say and the world says to them yes that's correct you know be um bullish and pig-headed and arrogant and everybody will just think you're like confident and a boss and a badass and you take what you want and you don't bother about how other people feel and you lack in empathy and you just forge ahead regardless and they're all very narcissistic traits. And that makes you, in the eyes of the world, you know, air quotes here, good and successful as a man. And so that's what our society does. And that's why, yes, codependency definitely affects women more, and narcissism definitely affects men more. But of course, anyone can be codependent, anyone can be narcissistic, Mm -hmm. as anyone who's had a narcissistic mother will tell you.
0: (laughs) Again, that term narcissism is another term that I feel is thrown around too freely, particularly online, with very little comprehension of what the term narcissist or narcissism actually means. So do you want to Talk about that slightly and break that down for the listeners too?
1: Yes, definitely. It's really hard actually to talk about codependency without talking about narcissism mm. because codependent people and narcissistic people fit together like a hand in a glove. Mm. The dynamic between a codependent and a narcissistic person is that. A codependent person needs to feed and a narcissistic person always needs to be fed. So when we talk about narcissism, there is a thing called narcissistic personality disorder, which is something which is diagnosable by a doctor, which I am not. Also, it's not commonly diagnosed because it is not the nature of a narcissistic person to seek help. Help, yeah. You might end up in psychiatric care for other reasons and then end up also getting a nice narcissistic personality disorder diagnosis because they've noticed, you know, the person diagnosing you has noticed that's your pattern. So when I talk about narcissism, because I am not a doctor, I'm talking about people who have a narcissistic personality style or narcissistic traits. There's a really, really helpful book called Sweet Relief from the Everyday Narcissist. And I recommend it all the time it's not a very well-known book but it's bloody brilliant because it breaks down the style of narcissist that most of us are dealing with so narcissism comes from very similar root wounds to codependency i'd almost say they're like two sides of the same coin you probably are brought up in the same dysfunctional household and then at some point you like fork off and you're either going to become narcissistic or codependent So narcissistic people, the main trait of them is that they don't have a sense of empathy. They can't feel empathy for other people. If you can't feel empathy, you can't fully feel any other emotion because you don't know what it feels like to feel pain. You don't know what it feels like really to feel love because empathy is a huge part of love. You don't know what it feels like to have your heart broken. So you don't care if you break somebody else's heart because you don't know what that feels like and you have no care for what it feels like to the other person when you do that to them and so narcissistic people because they have closed themselves off from their sense of empathy and that is their coping mechanism they need what's called a narcissistic source. s-o-u-r-c-e not like ketchup sauce <laughs> Oh, do so <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: you just love the English language? It's so bloody complicated. Um, yeah. So they need a narcissistic source mm. and that is where they draw emotions and energy from other people because they can't feel empathy. They can't feel love. They can't feel joy. They can't. They just can't have the whole human experience. They draw it from other people. So then a codependent person who just wants to fucking give you everything all the time is perfect fit for a narcissistic person. And then you get into a cycle of narcissistic abuse where you get like love bombing and then you start to get devalued. And then in the end stages, you'll get discarded. And that's when a narcissistic person will just move on. And it's like you never existed and you could have been married to them for 20 years, had kids and a house and everything. And like three months later, they've got a new girlfriend. And so like, that's what a pat that's the pattern of what it looks like to be with a narcissist.
0: But it's so glamorized because, okay, prime example, hear me out. Yeah. Fifty shades of Grey, like that is, she seemingly when it all started was a strong woman with a good job. Okay, seemed to have her own life, everything going on. She sacrificed everything to be with, I would say a narcissist. So she then became like this, like quite like mild, meek mannered woman. And he was a bit of a shit seemingly, but a lot of women, obviously, because it was like a bestseller. A lot of women were like, wow, look, I'd love to be with someone like Christian Grey. Would you, would you really? Cause I couldn't say, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a hot actor and all that, but you know, his character, like, Seriously, I couldn't think of anything worse than to put myself in that situation. But that was glamorizing.
1: Oh, yeah. And the, uh, like our media, culture, entertainment glamorizes the narcissistic, codependent dynamic. So like my favorite one being an elder millennial is um, Carrie and Mr. Big. Oh, yes.
0: But then they still played it out with the happily ever after at the end. But now apparently they're doing season two two or whatever it is they're doing like a spin-off and apparently they got divorced
1: I mean doesn't surprise me no (laughs) it doesn't surprise me at all he had so many issues but like the happily ever after was it didn't fit and then also it wasn't happily ever after was it because like in the movie he's just like a pipe and slippers man he drew her in that whole time with this glamorous lifestyle of like pulling up in his limousine and like never wanted to go out did not like Carrie, the fashionista, the columnist, and like obviously Sex and the City's bullshit, and just sold us uh, like absolutely sold us a lie. The biggest with, lie ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can live in this amazing apartment in the middle of New York, just writing this one poxy little columnary. column. Column. <laughs> <laughs> like for any
0: of us who are now in that world, we all know the realities of how bad the pay actually is. <laughs>
1: like they were not they were not really living those lifestyles on those salaries no. well certainly not Carrie the others were quite successful yeah um, yeah kind of women for like in their own right but how
0: ironic that Carrie was the main sort of character in the show that yes. everyone kind of you know aspired to be like if they were really into sex in the city yes and, and... aspiring to be Miranda Blasser and she was like you know a top shot lawyer
1: I'm sorry, I was always a Miranda. Oh, were you? I'm I gonna was... be honest, growing up,
0: I was probably a bit of a Carrie. Like, I did until I sort of learned a bit of the world. I kind of did think,
1: wow. I mean, I love Carrie's clothes, of course, but like, yeah, personality wise, I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck it, I'm a, a Miranda. I'm a Miranda with a little bit of Samantha. <laughs> oh, I do like
0: Samantha. She's the best one, actually. She's full sass, full queen. But
1: like, you know, Carrie was like this fashionista and like, she wanted this huge wedding and he fucking let, and it's like, I'm sorry, dude, you don't get to marry a person like that and think that she's going to want to wear that little suit at the register office. That's not who she is. Like, she loves this pomp and ceremony. She wants it to be like a fucking runway show. But it just that was like such a classic narcissistic moment Mm. from him. Like there's so many narcissistic moments. And also this really gets me. I can go down this Sex and the City rabbit hole. This. <laughs> we could do a whole show just on this. <laughs> no one likes Aiden and he was hunky and healthy. You really liked him. No, I don't agree. Yeah. He was sexy.
0: He had it going on. He was a nice guy. He had a dog. So, I mean, that, you know, that sold it for me. But he was like the packaged yeah. quote, unquote, American dream. Yeah. And, yeah. Everyone
1: seemed to want he was gorgeous, and everybody was like, oh, no, Aiden, uh. And they were, everyone was like, oh, he's too nice. I'm like, oh, yeah, imagine having somebody that fucking loves you unconditionally. You tell them that you need space, so they put a curtain up for you and then give you the space, and then you peek through, like, a little fucking codependent goom that you are. And like, oh, hi, you can come through the curtain now. Like, oh, my God. I just Sorry, I could have throttled her in that moment. God, she's so annoying. But, like, he gave her everything, and he was beautiful and he was emotionally available and it turned her off because all she ever wanted was these quite often older which again a quite a classic like narcissistic dynamic it's like a younger more impressionable woman and a like older narcissistic guy and that's Quite often how we see it Played out mm-hmm. in the media He's got the money And got the power Because he's older And all that kind of stuff So again like Talking in big broad strokes here And also not in a very Inclusive way But certainly that's the way It's played out in our media And our culture So that was like A classic dynamic and I'm like And of course Then she meets Aiden in Dubai In the movie And I'm like Yeah You fool He still looks great <laughs> <laughs> And there's Mr Big Sat at home Doing fuck all Doesn't want to go I'm out slippers, Wanting to watch old movies Like your granddad oh my god (laughs) get
0: back on track we've gone off on a complete sex in the city rampage there but no but it is true it is you know it's very I think like you said that whole dynamic is very over glamorized in the media and normalized in the media so that cishet couples think that that is a very healthy normal dynamic to be entering into and it's it's not like and you want to
1: scream at the people and say like open your eyes like can't you see this is this is toxic this is unhealthy but can with that expectation I think a lot of people do a lot of again particularly cishet couples go into long-term commitments expecting that they will that will become the dynamic mm-hmm. and that they will become disillusioned and discontent at some point Less so now, I think the more obviously we open up, the more we understand about mental health, the more we understand about self-worth and developing ourselves as people and waiting for the, like a healthy relationship with someone who's emotionally available and can actually communicate. We're not doing that so much, but even just like 10 years ago, I think that was the expectation is that you'd have the honeymoon period and then it was all just downhill from there and you didn't really have any option other than to settle for that
0: correct me if I'm wrong, but a codependent person is not comfortable perhaps communicating because they're not good at setting boundaries. Yeah. They cling on to the person so much. So a clear pattern that I've seen sort of throughout the years with some of my friends and, and you know people I know is they'll meet a guy. They really, really want to be with that guy. So they will sacrifice everything about themselves to be with that guy that guy might not be meeting their emotional physical or mental needs but they are too afraid to communicate and and be upfront and honest about how they're feeling and what they want because they've over romanticized the idea of this relationship and they're too afraid to step away
1: yes absolutely and also very common for codependent people to be attracted to people that are attracted to them So you might not even really fancy or like a person, but if they show interest in you, all of a sudden they're like Prince Charming in your eyes because all a codependent person wants is to be wanted and needed. And so that's where the the romanticization and the fantasy comes in is because in our minds, we will mold them and force the situation to be something that it's not just so that we can be with them. So we'll put aside our values, our wants, our needs, our boundaries to kind of get in their slipstream and make the relationship okay because what we want at all costs is the relationship to be wanted and needed. But then obviously it kind of gets exhausting. You you can do that maybe the first few weeks and months, but get years down the line and you're like, "This this is literally exhausting me. But then generally,
0: I would say that the, this someone said this to me on another show, and, and I agree with it, is the red flags that were there at the beginning are mm-hmm. generally what breaks your relationship up further down the line. And if you're going into a relationship and just, just basically completely giving yourself up, that person is going to be left, With someone they don't know, because that's not the person they first started dating anyway. So is that not why a narcissist would then walk off and leave you?
1: Well, I mean, they don't, they want that to happen. They kind of want you to be a shell of your former self. Because the thing is, if you kept all the things that made you attractive in the beginning, you would never accept a relationship with a narcissist. If you kept your hobbies, your passions, um, you kept your career and your essentially your sense of identity and your self-worth, there's no way you'd stay in a relationship with a narcissist. So ironically, they'll probably tell you that because that's part of the narcissistic abuse cycle. They might say to you, Oh, you're not the woman that I married or whatever it might be. (laughs) I think so many people will probably relate to hearing that, something like that. Well, you're not the person that I started dating. It's like, but you didn't want me to be that person. You didn't want me to, if I'd have kept my independence, this relationship wouldn't have worked because it's a dysfunctional relationship. Yeah. And you see, like, when you talk about your relationship, that's how I can tell that it isn't, that isn't the dynamic that you have, though you may fulfill more traditional gender roles.
0: Mm.
1: It's, if you wanted to change that, your relationship isn't going to break down.
0: No. And even if you were to say to your partner, I want to change this, and perhaps they weren't as open as they should be about the change, you can't stop someone living their life because your relationship will break down anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it's, it's about meeting, meeting each other in the middle. Compromise. You know what, I pref- I actually like, and it sounds kind of aggressive, but I prefer the term negotiate than compromise. Oh, okay, I like it, I think- negotiation. I think that um, the word compromise often gets misunderstood and I think it quite often gets used against particularly women. You need to compromise and we do, we compromise ourselves constantly. Compromise should be a two way thing where well, I think quite often people misunderstand the word compromise and they think it means, well, I just need to give more ground. I just need to give more ground, give more ground. Negotiation to me a back and forth. I'll give a little bit. You give a little bit. I'll give a little bit. You give a little bit. We see what we can come up with together that feels mutually fulfilling. So and I know like that is should also be the meaning of compromise, but I don't think it's the way that we understand the word. Sorry, that's like so nitpicky no not at all it's like super Nit- interesting because it's yeah. such a common word and I don't hear many men talk about compromise
0: <laughs> I don't think many men are very good at compromising that's why and love to
1: negotiate though
0: they do and me and my <laughs> husband if we do not see eye to eye on something uh, we have learned now that we agree to disagree so yeah. I say to him, this is my opinion. It doesn't have to be yours. That's cool. It's not a drama unless it's something that is literally going to break the marriage down. It's okay to agree to disagree. You'll have to agree on everything, but you have to be mutually respectful of each other's opinions.
1: Yes. And again, you will find like if you're in a relationship with someone who is emotionally abusive, narcissistic, they're not going to, that's not going to happen. It's their way or the highway. If you don't agree with them, like they will just keep beating that drum, hitting you with that stick. It will just keep going and going until you compromise, until you give ground and you agree with them. Look down and give in, basically or you shut up. You just don't say anything anymore. And like, that's very common. See that in a lot of, again, particularly cishet relationships with women where they just, they almost become mute. We're talking a lot about,
0: you know, romantic relationships here, but what about codependency? If you're a naturally codependent person, then would we not see that behavior or those behaviors play out in, you know, a work relationship, platonic relationships, family sort of dynamics?
1: Yes. Yeah. So people quite often say to me, oh, I'm in a codependent relationship with my partner. I'm like, no, you're not. You're codependent and you have a relationship, like okay. you have a romantic relationship. If you're codependent, you're codependent everywhere. But we have what I would call like a kryptonite area. So a place where it shows up for us in its kind of biggest, baddest yeah. planet for a lot of people that is their romantic relationship and I would say second is their work relationships how would
0: it play out in a work relationship then because a lot of people might not even realize they're being codependent
1: well exactly the same dynamics so um You know, think of you might have a boss who is maybe narcissistic, a very emotionally unavailable person, someone who's very controlling, who shouts you down, who you feel you have to people please and overgive to the point of exhaustion just to get recognised and then you don't even really get recognised And then if you do get recognized, the goalposts just shift. So next time you have to give even more and even more. That's very common. You know, as someone who is a boss or a manager, you can be codependent with your staff and the people uh, who are in like your downline. You might caretake them, um, infantilize them, micromanage them, not give them the autonomy to actually do their work and fulfill their potential. So, yeah, it's exactly the same dynamics. But we just don't think of it applying to those situations i think i think so many workplaces actually are quite toxic and have quite toxic cultures that we think well that's just what work is like in the same way that we certainly used to think well that's just what relationships are like or that's just what marriage is like now we're sort of realizing no it isn't we can expect more we can expect respect and a healthy dynamic and communication And yeah, we can and should expect that also from a workplace. It's so weird that we've been conditioned. But of course, workplaces have always had these very uh, patriarchal, misogynistic, capitalistic structures. So yeah, that's how it plays out in a workplace. And again, exactly the same with family relationships and also with friends. So you can apply all the same traits to family, friends, uh, workplaces and romantic relationships. The codependent patterns are the same. But as I said, you've probably got like a kryptonite area, which is the area where it shows up for you in the worst way. So comparatively, you're maybe less codependent with your friends. So you don't realize because you're so overwhelmingly codependent over here with your romantic relationships that the way you're codependent in other ways seems relatively normal. But once you start to work on the kryptonite area, you realize it
0: ain't normal. <laughs> a lot of it I think is about with codependence not having that self-trust and that inner strength to almost yeah. follow through with all of these different sort of relationships so yeah like you said you know they will have one seemingly more weak spot but mm. that those personality traits if you don't have them at your core then yeah. you're not able to follow suit in every area of your life because because they're such integral parts of a person's they're such needed integral parts of a persons being should I should I say to sort of live a, a balanced stable life
1: yeah definitely yeah a fulfilled life and a life where you believe that you're worthy of that kindness and respect and that you won't accept less mm. and it's not about being confrontational or a bitch it's just like yeah that doesn't work for me and it's and it's kind of it is kind of like an agree to disagree. Okay, well, you can't respect me and my boundaries. That's fine. We don't have to hang out.
0: The other thing I notice a lot with narcissists is that they will pay you lip service. So mm-hmm. um I've seen this play out in, in another relationship, not, not one of mine, but um the one partner will come and state their boundaries and say, This is what I need. And then the, the narcissist is okay, and then just doesn't do it. So just paying you lip service. And I mm-hmm. do think actions speak louder than words. But it's almost like tricked the the other person or the other party into thinking, okay, well, you know, I've put my boundaries across, so I've made a little bit of progress, and that person's agreed, but they're not they're not following through with with yeah. their words that they've agreed, and that is, I think, that plays out a lot in relationships too, massively.
1: Yes, definitely, um, and you have to have the self worth to watch the actions and not the words. So mm-hmm. somebody with really good self worth could see that somebody's actions didn't match their words and would just be like, yeah, that's all very well and good that you said it, but you did it now. Like, I'm done. You did it. You showed me. You don't, you don't need to tell me because you showed me a really good piece of relationship advice, which is not specifically about codependence and narcissists and dysfunctional relationships, but I think it's just super helpful. I heard this recently, Matthew Hussey said this. It was just so fucking clever. We so need this. Women, tune in, listen up. If you write anything down, write this down So somebody asked the question What if their actions don't match their So like, yes we know Follow actions, not words Mm. Trust the actions, not the words But what if the words they're saying Aren't great. Like the words they're saying, maybe they're saying, well, I don't, you know, I can't commit to you. I don't want a relationship, but they keep showing up and acting like a boyfriend and giving you all this like lovely stuff and all this affection. They're kind of, they're meeting a lot of needs, but then they don't want to commit. And he said, trust actions, not words, unless the words that they are saying have a detrimental cost to them. So when you're trying to date somebody, you are trying to sell yourself to them, basically. Look, I'm amazing. I'm lovely. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna take care of you. We're gonna have this great relationship. Like everything that you're doing and saying is trying to put across that vibe because you want them to want you and commit to you. But if there's there's a cost to them saying to you, I can't commit to you. So if there's if there's a cost to what they're saying, believe it. And this is why I always always believe people. Right from if they put it on their dating profile, something like I'm a fucking nightmare like that isn't a joke you know that about yourself you know that about yourself and it's true mm-hmm. and a lot of like the codependent trait and the codependent in me and I know it so well like I'm a recovering codependent myself but I can look back to that codependent woman young woman from 10 years ago and she'd be like oh my god you're a nightmare I'm gonna make you a dream like <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fix you. yeah I'll fix yeah. you you won't be a nightmare for me I'm so good you're like it's why like and that it draws us in but people tell us they tell us and show us who they are all the time but we have to trust ourselves and know ourselves and value ourselves enough to fucking believe it when they do and again this is where the codependent fantasy and the romanticization comes in is because then we just click into believing what we've thought of them in our heads and the yeah. potential that we've that we've built up more than the reality of what we're being shown but that a lot
0: of women do that and again I have seen that play out where you do over over romanticize their partner or the package that they seem to be bringing to the table whatever that package might be and that's actually not the reality of what they're bringing into the table that's that's that that's what you've built in your head so you're actually trying to date something that it, it You've created. That's not that's not true. That's not real. That's not a thing. So I think that then a lot of women are creating this this idea because that's what they want to see. Yeah. And then they don't want to walk away from that idea. So they stay in the relationship. And yeah. But for, for me, because I'm I'm not codependent. So for me, that is mind boggling. But you just, and you try to communicate with these people, as I'm sure you do, to no end with your work. That is not the reality of the situation that you're in. And then they, even when you can get them to leave that situation, they still keep over romanticizing, looking back through their rose tinted glasses. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, remember what you were
1: in, remember the, you know, the situation you were in. They were never that person in the first place. You fell in love with a fantasy. Mm -hmm. And, I think another real red flag on like our part, on not a red flag that somebody else is showing you, but a red flag for you as a potentially codependent person is when somebody does tell you and show you who they are, are you making excuses for them? Are you fixing it for them? Like they haven't asked you to fix it, they haven't asked you for help, but they've shown you, I don't know, maybe you said that you were exclusive and actually then you found out that they were still dating other people. Well, they've shown you who they are, but what, what you would do as a codependent person is like, Oh, well, you know, like they had a really tough childhood. And so they have like an avoidant attachment style. And so they were just getting really freaked out because they just like love me so much. And actually the reason that they were dating other people is because they really like me. <laughs> oh, fuck. I literally, I, I, uh like as you're speaking I can I've had
0: these conversations with people that's the irony like genuinely I've had these conversations and you just I want I get frustrated then I do genuinely get frustrated because I just think
1: why can't you see what I'm trying to show you like yeah that's not the case save your heart and it's the same you know you you could have a similar situation like that at work or with Mm. family like maybe you've got you know, an abusive, disrespectful parent who is unkind to you, who's always really judgmental. And it's like, oh, you know, it's only because like, they love me and they want the best for me. And it's like, no, they're being horrible to you. Yeah. But being even, even if that was the motivation, There's why should you have to fall with it? Like, that's just a sh- very shit expression of loving somebody. The same with like a boss, they might have sold you a, big fucking story about how the person your predecessor was just so shit and like they weren't very good but now and then they start love bombing you as the new colleague oh my god you're gonna be so amazing and blah 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 oh you know if i'm if i'm a bit hard on you it's just because you know it was really hard for me to trust your predecessor etc they're selling you a lie they're selling you bullshit. They're they're setting you up for an abusive dynamic where you accept that. And so you are making excuses for them and you're allowing it and accepting it instead of putting a boundary in place and saying, well, the fact that you couldn't trust my predecessor or the fact that you had a tough upbringing or the fact that you think that that's how you express love, that's your problem. You need to go away, deal with that and fix it if you want to keep me in your life. But we don't. Instead. And quite often we make the excuses for them. They don't even have to give us the excuses or the reasons.
0: Because you kind of want to see the good side in everything and for them not to you, leave your life.
1: Yeah, you need to be able to see the good side because you desperately want to be wanted and needed and you want that relationship. So you'll do anything to keep it, even if that means making up a whole fantasy.
0: Is codependency the same then as like anxious attachment style? That's Is that the same sort of thing?
1: There's a lot of crossover with anxious attachment style and codependency. What I would say about attachment styles is that they can shift okay. situationally, whereas codependency is more of like a chronic thing. Okay. Um, But like can be unlearned and fixed. And also you can have different, you can have different attachment styles at different points in your life, depending mm. on, you know, the situational thing you can also be like have an avoidant attachment style as a codependent person that's also possible it's less common but it does happen so it's not fixed but yes there's a lot of crossover with anxious attachment and codependency
0: and with with other addictions if we're talking about you know alcohol drugs so on and so forth generally once you abstain from that set thing you can't go back you can't moderate that's that's the general pattern of addictions so how as a recovering codependent do you then put yourself back in that situation and moderate because that's going to be pretty difficult
1: Yeah. so I actually come from a 12-step recovery background so I'm uh, in codependence anonymous um, and that is the the kind of 12-step belief is um, with substance addictions that you abstain and that you're an addict forever. Once you've realized you're an addict, you're an addict forever. That doesn't work for everybody. And I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that. Some people can moderate themselves going forward with their, what were their substance addictions and that works for them. And if that works, that's cool. I'm, my whole philosophy, if it works for you, it works. Do it, I don't give a shit. Just get better and feel good. But yes codependency for that reason and other or codependency is what we call like a process addiction so it's like about behavior Mm -hmm. so in a way things like um food addictions are also process addictions they're kind of a substance they're a mix they're like a substance and a process addiction and it's the same like if you're an overeater you have to learn how to moderate you can't live without food if you're codependent you can't live without relationships if you're a sex addict like you can live without sex but most people don't want want to to. (laughs) yeah and like most people aren't going to find a fulfilling relationship like unless unless you identify then as asexual and like get into a relationship with another asexual person who's happy with that or whatever like you find a structure that helps but for the majority of people you're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to live a healthy fulfilled life without sex so and and actually it's funny because a lot of people come from substance addiction recovery so they have to do that first because you've got to stop drinking you've got to stop taking drugs because that's going to kill you and then they realize there's still something wrong and that's when I see them in CODA (laughs) (laughs) yeah so again a lot of crossover between like substance addictions um, and also eating addictions and gambling spending addictions as well and codependency they're what I'd call like your self-medicating addictions. So okay. your codependency is bad and you've tried to escape yourself through relationships, but you needed something more or maybe the pain of all the dysfunctional relationships that you had in your life has driven you to like drink and drugs, overeating, okay. overspending, whatever it may be. So yeah, a lot of like recovered or recovering alcoholics and drug addicts will say like CODA is the hardest fucking one to do. That's uh, coder is short for codependence anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. um because you're really getting to the root of your issues and yeah you have to learn to moderate it you have to learn how to have a healthy relationship and you have to learn not to swing in the completely opposite direction of being like totally avoidant completely being a hermit being like well, we're never going to have a relationship ever again because as a social animal that's not healthy either So there
0: are actual groups that you can attend.
1: Yes. Yeah. 12 step recovery groups. Yeah. Codependence Anonymous. And I recommend them to all my clients to try. It doesn't work for everybody.
0: Well, the same way AA doesn't work for everybody. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And even just in its style for some people, like it has some, it's not a religious group, but it has some religious language in it. And for some people that they just can't hear the message because of that. And that's fine. Like, There are other options. It doesn't have to be 12 step, but yeah, I always say like, try it out because they're like donation-based meetings. So like give what you can afford, like a few pounds per meeting. So it's a really uh, easy, accessible way for people to access help for codependent recovery or any form of recovery.
0: And to start like getting towards the end of the show now, so to sort of finish up, what would your key tips for anyone Who does identify as codependent be moving forward?
1: Okay. So you have to start working on building a foundation of self worth. If you don't have that in place, nothing else will work. If you don't value yourself and have a sense, a good sense of self worth, a good sense of who you are, regardless of whether you've got a relationship in your life or not, boundaries don't matter. Um, None of that stuff, none of that practical, the practical expression of recovery matters if you don't have that foundation of self-worth in place. Codependent people are terrified of space. We're terrified of mental, emotional and physical space. So our calendars are always booked up. To the hilt, we tend to flop into bed exhausted at night from absolutely overscheduling ourselves, overworking ourselves, and overgiving. If we don't have a relationship, we're always looking for one. We quite often have people kind of stashed away on the back burner just in case this relationship doesn't work out. Certainly, a pattern for me um, when I was younger as someone who didn't know that I was codependent at the time was having overlapping relationships so being in a relationship with a narcissistic person getting into the discard stage it was all like very much breaking down I didn't know who I was and there'd be overlap and basically I would cheat on my partner because the only way that I could leave one relationship was to have another one lined up and even if it wasn't a relationship even if it was just a fling the only way I could get enough strength and validation to leave was to have somebody else giving it to me but of course Through doing that, I never fully felt the pain that I needed to feel. I never fully like learned the lessons. I wasn't discovering who I was. I was just constantly outsourcing myself to like the next, you know, the next sexual partner or the next person, yeah, the next project, whatever it may be, and project, whether that's a person or a creative project, chaos. My life was just Mm -hmm. chaos and it was overly full in every way. And so simplify. Strip down get rid of loads of crap get a really good routine in your life and what happens then is people say to me but I don't know who I am if I do that and I'm like okay baby go and find out (laughs) (laughs) yeah discover like discover like discover what music you like discover what your hobbies would be if you actually had time to do a fucking hobby Mm -hmm. like hang out with your friends and family and the people that love you and the people that have wanted to spend time with you but you've been so fucking busy being chaotic and codependent that you didn't have time to you have to go through that period of discovery i think that really helps build self-worth and also codependency loves chaos recovery loves routine get a routine and stick to it for a while and once you're used to it, you can build some flexibility in. You can be more spontaneous, but get a fucking routine. It's gonna help you.
0: And for any um recovered or recovering codependent moving forward and starting to date again, what advice can you
1: give? Go slowly. <laughs> Go, slow <with> tortoise. <laughs> Go so slowly that it feels unnatural to you. Okay. That is going to give you the time and space that you need to identify your feelings. Mm-hmm. Do I really like them or do I just like that they like me? Um, is this a red flag or is this me being afraid and avoidant? You know, is that something that's kind of like legitimately an issue that they're working on and that's cool and I really like that they're doing that or is it a fucking glaring red flag? It's going to give you the time and space that you need to actually see that stuff and process it and not move at warp speed, skip over all of that and go into codependent fantasy. A good, healthy, genuine connection will survive a slow start. Mm. And Again, that's the other classic codependent thing is like lock that person down as quickly as possible because you're so afraid that they'll leave. Give them chance to show you whether they deserve to be in your life whether they deserve to be locked down whether they deserve and a worthy person for you to commit to before you force that to happen
0: so it's about learning again your self-worth and not about them wanting you about you wanting them
1: yeah do you do you like them do they fit for you do they match your values do you know what your values are have mm. you even figured that out yet?
0: What your non-negotiables are moving forward.
1: Yeah. And on both ends of the scale, what you do want and what you definitely don't want. So for anyone who is wanting to get in
0: contact with you, Joe, maybe hop on to your course, find your podcast, connect with you on your socials. Can you give us a bit more information?
1: Yeah. So Instagram is the main place where I hang out. So you can connect with me there at Joe Westwood. Um, Then, yeah, I have my online recovery community, Wildly Worthy. You can join that at any time. It's a really low like monthly rate. And it's such a good, supportive community of um, women and female socialized non-binary people who are all on this recovery journey together. So like totally no judgment space, super supportive, weekly Q&A calls with me and my whole codependency recovery course that you can get access to through that. Um, So yeah, definitely check that out. That's in the link in my bio um, on Instagram as well. And yeah, I have a brand new baby little podcast. Hi. Um, uh, So that's called the Anti People Pleasing Podcast. So yeah, you can get that on all major podcast platforms. So yeah, check that out. Come give me a listen
0: that's awesome joe and thank you for hopping on and chatting with me today honestly i again literally every time i get a chance to speak to you i just want to keep talking and talking and talking but thank you so much for talking to me today and coming on the show
1: oh thank you so much it's been a dream i've really enjoyed it
0: cheers joe have a good one thank you bye (laughs) Thanks for tuning in as always guys and if you enjoyed today's episode then don't forget to click subscribe if you haven't already on whatever platform you're listening on. If you're an Apple user, I would also be super grateful if you could possibly leave me a quick review. Reviews help the algorithm and help the show reach more people. Also, keep up the great work, guys, sharing Grown Up Hustle on your socials, sharing it with your friends, sharing it with your family. It's through the support of you guys sharing and spreading the word about the show that helps the show reach more people. And you guys have been a massive part in making this show a success. If you do want to connect with me or you want to connect with any of my guests from the show or get any more info then hop on over to instagram where you can find me under grown-up hustle feel free at any time to reach out and drop me a dm or give me a follow whilst you're there and i will be back in two weeks time with another show so until then have a great one and take care